LifeSpring number 185, Seven Steps to Success in 2009. LifeSpring Media, bringing the message of hope, love, and good news since 2004. Thanks for your support. And now, on with the show. Hello! Oh, peeked out the levels there. Sorry about that if I blew your ears out. How's it going? No, I haven't turned into a funny multi-level marketing guru guy. Or a get-quick, get-quick, get-rich-quick scheme guy. I'll get it out. No, 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 no. So how's it going? Welcome to LifeSpring. My name is Steve Webb and I'm your host. Jesus said, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Remember, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your age or your sex or your station in life. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? LifeSpring is about answering that question. And the question of how and why the answer can and does affect your life this very day. What do you find here? Well, you'll find music, conversation, and reasons to believe. Sometimes more music, sometimes more conversation, sometimes more reasons to believe. But always, Jesus is at the center of everything. So, how was your New Year? How was your Christmas? So good to be talking to you today. This is the very first LifeSpring of 2009, and I do have a really good show for you today, if I do say so myself. I'm going to be talking about a brand new project a little bit later in the show. And yes, Jesus gave us seven steps to success. But like I said, I'm not turning into a prosperity teaching guy. I'm not turning into a name it and claim it kind of guy. But I think that we can learn some important lessons from Jesus on how to reach our goals. That's coming up in just a couple of minutes. Well, let's see. We've got a new resident that's going to be moving into the White House in just a few short days. Pray for him. Pray for wisdom. Pray for his success. He's got some huge challenges waiting for him. And we've all got a vested interest in his success. I don't care how you voted The man that is going to be taking over is going to be our president. And so, therefore, we need to pray for him. So do that. Do that. Also, pray for Israel. Pray for peace in that region. Psalm 122.6 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I think that there's a special blessing for believers who do that and uh, things are just really hot over there right now and so uh, remember them in your prayers before we go any further let me just remind you about covenanteyes.com with the new year well maybe there are some changes you want to make in your internet usage maybe in 2008 you tried to slay the temptation of internet porn by yourself and you didn't have much success 
please do yourself a favor and sign up today at CovenantEyes.com. They've got the tools to help you get victory over this thing that just keeps dragging you down. Find out all the details at CovenantEyes.com and use the promo code LIFESPRING to get your first 30 days absolutely free. Do it today. You won't be sorry. And now let me ask you another question. Did you have a hard drive failure in 2008? If you did, you know how important it is to back up your important files. Either because you lost your precious family photos when the drive failed or because you gave a sigh of relief that they were safely backed up. Chances are you, if you did have a hard drive failure, were not properly backed up. Most people aren't. Listen, if you didn't have a hard drive failure in 2008, stop what you're doing right now and go to backup.lifespringmedia.com and click on the Carbonite link that you'll find there and sign up. Carbonite is my backup solution. I don't have to think about backing up. It just happens automatically. I've got literally hundreds of gigabytes of data backed up because there's no limit on the amount of stuff that you can put on the Carbonite servers. Your data is safe. It's off-site, meaning it's not at your place. It's not at your office. It's not at your home. It's on the Carbonite servers where it is encrypted. So it's safe. And when, not if, when your hard drive bids this world goodbye, just a few clicks of your mouse will get your data back. Check it out right now at backup.lifespringmedia.com. Click on my link that you find there and you'll get 15 days free to try it out. And now, here we go with the seven steps to success in 2009. Let me ask you a question. Are you a better person now at the beginning of 2009 than you were a year ago at the beginning of 2008? Are you happy with yourself as a follower of Jesus, as a spouse, as a parent, as a friend, an employee, an employer? Is there room for improvement in one or more of these areas? How about your fitness level, physically, mentally, spiritually? Have you fallen into a pattern of behavior that you know is not the best? Or is there a sin that you've gotten, shall we say, comfortable with? Something that you know you should not have as a part of your life? Listen, I'm not a person who makes New Year's resolutions. But the beginning of a new year is a good time to take inventory, to do some introspection, to get the magnifying glass out, to take a real close look at who you are, where you're at, what you're doing, what your plans are. The end of a year is like the period at the end of a sentence, and New Year's Day is like the start of a brand new chapter. So let me ask you again, are you a better person now at the beginning of 2009 than you were a year ago at the beginning of 2008? Was there something that you had big plans to achieve in 2008 that, well, didn't get done? Did something happen during the year that threw you for a loop, that pushed you into a behavior that you would like to quit? Is there something new that you want to start in your life? If you can think of something that you would like to accomplish or change this year, then I can think of no better time to start than right now, and no better example of how to go about making it happen than Jesus. 
Today we're going to look at the life of Jesus to see how he changed the world. First, it's important to know what it is you want to accomplish or to set a goal. Know what you want to accomplish or change. I know it seems obvious, but many of us just go through life from day to day without a plan or something to rev our engines about. And be specific about your goal so that you know when you have achieved it. If you don't have an aim, if you don't have a goal, if you don't have a plan, (laughs) how do you know when you get there? You say, Steve, how do we know that Jesus set a goal? Well, there's no place specifically that it says, okay, Jesus sat down with a pencil and paper and planned out his life, planned out his goals. But he had to have, because we know in John 12, 27, it says, uh, Jesus was talking and it says, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. So what was Jesus' goal? Well, it was to bring salvation or put in another way, to make it possible for you and for me, we who are imperfect, flawed, sinful, to have intimate, meaningful relationship with a perfect, holy, sinless God. To make it possible for there to be peace between me and God, or you and God. Scripture tells us that as long as we fall short of what God requires, there can be no relationship with God and man, and that there is no possible way for man to close the gap because perfection is not in us. The only way to close the gap was for God himself to become a man here on planet Earth, to live completely up to the standards required with absolutely no compromise, and then pay for my failures by sacrificing his life. Now that's pretty huge, but the basic goal is simple, to bring salvation to anyone who will receive it. Now notice something, you have to be specific with your goal. In this case, this case of Jesus, his goal was not to save the world in a general sense, but to bring salvation individually to each person. That is specific. That's down to the, to the individual person. That's me. It's you. How do I know this? Well, John thirteen fourteen through 18 says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is key right here. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So it, in those verses, it talks about the world in general, but then it, it's very clear that it's very specific. Each individual has to make that decision. So Jesus set a very specific goal to bring salvation to each one of us if we will but believe. So how did Jesus achieve this goal and what can we learn from his method? Well, I think that it's important to look at the very beginning of his ministry, the beginning of the time where he began to pursue this goal. 
He began his journey with an event. And that's something we need to do. Begin the journey with an event, something different that you can look back on and say, this is when I began. It's like an athletic event, or it's like an opening kickoff, a jump ball, or a first pitch. This is where you put your stake in the ground to say, the old ended here, and now I'm moving forward. What event marked the beginning of Jesus' ministry? It's something that changed his life, and it was so important that we are commanded to do it as believers. He was baptized, and on that day, his life changed. He had been a carpenter and probably lived a fairly normal life, helping his widowed mother, socializing with friends and neighbors, going to synagogue, paying taxes. But the day that he was baptized, his life took a completely different course. From what Scripture tells us, after he was baptized, a voice came down from heaven that said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And then the next verse says, At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert. So what happened there? Of course, we know that he spent the next 40 days and nights in the desert or in the wilderness. Scripture says that during that time he was tempted by Satan. And now this next part is conjecture, okay? I've got an active imagination, and I can easily see that perhaps Jesus was not constantly tempted during this entire 40 days. Maybe he was, but man, 40 days is a long time, right? And from what we know of Jesus before and after this period of his life, I think he spent a large amount of his time in prayer, communing with the Father. And it would not surprise me a bit if during this time, the Father spoke to him about the shape his ministry was to take or the strategy to accomplish his goal. So here we go. We have Jesus setting a goal. The time to accomplish the goal begins with an event. And next comes devising a strategy, which I can very easily think happened during this 40 days. The strategy is the how of your goal. What does it take to achieve the goal? You break it down into steps. What are the tools? What are the actions? When do they need to be done? You want to be specific. Why do I think the Father spoke to Jesus about the strategy during his time in the wilderness? Because when he came back, he didn't go back to his old life. We are never told that he did any carpentry again after the baptism and after this 40 days. Mark chapter 1, verse 13 says, And he was in the desert 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. And then continuing in Mark, after John was put in prison, talking about John the Baptist, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So immediately when he came home, he began to proclaim the good news of God. He came back a man on a mission. He was focused on the message. He knew his goal, and he began implementing the strategy to get it done. In Luke 4, we see the next thing that Jesus did after his 40 days. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. 
Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, the scripture continues here, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What did Jesus do? He went public. That's what we need to do. We set a goal. We begin our journey with an event. We devise a strategy. And then we go public. Jesus proclaimed his goal publicly at this point. By making this announcement in this place, this local synagogue, he was going to the place that would have the biggest impact. Jesus knew that the word would quickly spread. There was no going back at this point. And when we make our goals known to others, it's very hard to just forget about them or let them slide into the background or to give up. I mean, we don't want to look like a quitter, right? Who wants everyone to know that we lack discipline or that we didn't have what it takes? Or on the positive side, once you tell the world, you'll probably have some people who will encourage you. Great job. Going back to Mark's account of this part of Jesus' life gives us the next step. Let's see what Jesus did. In the book of Mark, it says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. So the next step is to build a team. And this was when Jesus first began to build his team of 12. Build a team around your goal, people who will help you, people whom you trust, people that you can enlist. Help them to be excited about your goal so that they will continually support you and keep them up to date on your progress. Jesus' goal was to bring salvation to them and to you and to me. And we know he spent a lot of time teaching them about his goal, encouraging them, and even convincing them. Listen to this uh, from Mark chapter 4. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. (laughs) The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Well, they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This entire event took place to convince them to focus them on the goal. They had to believe that Jesus was who he claimed to be so that they would enthusiastically preach the message once he was gone. Now, we know from Scripture that this was not the only time he had to do something big to convince them, which tells me that we will often need to touch bases with our team in order for them to help us to our goal. Let them know how you're doing in relation to the goal. Progress, challenges, failures, adjustments, victories, let them know, encourage them, and even sometimes convince them. So we've got set a goal, begin your journey with an event, devise a strategy, go public, build a team, and next, after you've done all that, Mark 6.31 says, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So that's the next thing. 
Make time to recharge. Make time to rest. We need time to just simply check out for a little bit, to recharge. Jesus knew the importance of rest. We have many examples in Scripture of Jesus going off to be alone, to rest, to pray, to rejuvenate. If it was important for Jesus to rest, how much more so for us? God created the world in six days and on the seventh day rested, and he instituted the Sabbath, taking one day out of seven just for rest. Sometimes I need to remind myself of that. So if we do these things and we do them well, we do them consistently, we stick at it, we, we keep our focus, we work towards our goal and we accomplish it, then what happens? Remember Jesus' goal, salvation for those that will believe? Listen to this in Luke chapter 15, verse 4. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, and this is Jesus talking, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So we see here that when the goal is achieved, when one person responds to the love of God, there is a party in heaven. We should celebrate when we achieve our goal. Now get this, in in this scripture that we're looking at, listen carefully. Who rejoices? Think about it. What do you remember Jesus saying there? Who rejoices? What's that? You say that the angels rejoice? Is that what the scripture says there? Let's look at it again. It says, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. Now, the angels may indeed rejoice, but the focus is not on the angels here. The literal translation of that passage there is, there is joy before the angels of God. Well, who or what is before or in front of the angels? God is. God rejoices. We know that God the Father sits on the throne with Jesus, or God the Son, sitting at his right hand. There is celebration when the goal is achieved, each time the goal is achieved. God set a goal to save you. God set a goal to save me. And when that goal is achieved, there is a party in heaven. There is celebration. It is good to rejoice, to celebrate, to revel in the good that comes from a job well done. So again, let me ask you, are you a better person now at the beginning of 2009 than you were a year ago at the beginning of 2008? Will you be a better person at the end of 2009 than you are today? What will you do? What will you change? Write to me. Let me know what your goal is for 2009 steve.lifespring at gmail.com. Or better yet, call me. Leave a comment on the toll-free voice line at 877-433-9091. I want to know. Make me a part of your team. What's your goal? Hey, speaking of teams, are you on Twitter? If you are, follow me, would you? My username is, of course, Lifespring. And if you don't know about Twitter, just get on over there. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. Sign up, follow me, I'll follow you back.
So what's happening in 2009 for Lightspring? Well, I just announced something completely new on the last episode of the 2008 um, Lifespring Family Bible. If you've listened to that episode, number 350, then you've already heard the next part, but repetition isn't always a bad thing, right? Today, a very sweet new listener called the comment line with some questions about the Lifespring Family Bible, and she left her phone number and asked me to call her, and I did. And I found out that I was not as clear as I should have been in that episode number 350 about this new thing in the Lifespring Media family, so I'm going to try again here. In 2009, there will be two different Bible projects that Lifespring Media will be doing. The first is the Lifespring Family Bible, and that's the podcast that began in 2007 and involves reading through the entire Bible in a year. Lifespring Family Bible will run again this year, 2009, and will begin, as it has in the last two years, on January 10th. We will run the entire Lifespring Family Bible from episode 1 all the way to episode number 350, And we'll do it much the same as we did in 2008 and 2007. It will be advertiser-supported in addition to listener-supported. And the basic reading format, I will start with the New Testament book of John. And when that's completed, I'll go to the Old Testament book of Genesis. And basically, we alternate Old and New Testaments. After reading each section of the scripture for the day, I usually sum up that day's reading with a thought or two. And the average time is about 12 to 15 minutes per day or 88 verses. In the first several episodes, I used different modern translations, like the the uh, what the New Living Translation and some others. But then later on, I settle on the Net Bible from the very good folks over at Bible.org. The show does have advertisements at the beginning or end of each episode to help pay for the substantial bandwidth and the time it took to record and produce the shows. So that's the LifeSpring Family Bible, free podcast. And that's the first Bible project. Now for the second. And this is brand spanking new. I'm very excited about it because it's something that I've thought about for a long time. I've prayed about it. I've talked to some of my closest friends about it. I've discussed it with my incredibly supportive wife, the lovely Lady Leanne. And I've decided now to go ahead and go forward with it. In 2009, I'm going to record the Bible in its entirety once again, but it will be different than the Lifespring Family Bible. How will it be different? Well, there's several things. First off, the Bible will be released in sections instead of a daily read-the-Bible-through-in-a-year format. I'm going to start with the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. Then I'll do the four gospel plus Acts. Then I'll release the Old Testament history books in two parts. I'll do Joshua through 1 Kings and then 2 Kings through Esther. Next will be the letters of Paul. Then the Old Testament poetry books. That's Job through Song of Solomon. And then what are known as the general epistles, James through Jude. Then the major prophets, that's Isaiah through Daniel. Then the Old Testament minor prophets, Hosea through Malachi. And finally, the New Testament book of prophecy, the book of Revelation. Each chapter will be on a separate track, so searching for a specific book and chapter will therefore be easy, unlike the Lifespring Family Bible, which kind of goes, like I said, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, and uh, not easily searched. Number two, this will be only the Bible. There will be no commentary by me, and by the way, there will be no guest readers on this, like there was the LifeSpring Family Bible. It's all just Steve Webb, day after day, (laughs) book after book, verse after verse. Um, Some of you will say, I don't want to do that, and others will say, that'll be okay, so whatever you like to do there. Uh, The third reason it's different. I'm going to base the reading on the King James Version, but I'm going to modernize the reading. In other words, 
giveth will become gives. Thee and thine will, will become you and yours. Archaic words will be changed to modern words. An example would be like the word charity in 1 Corinthians 13. The way I'll read it, I'll be changing that to love. I'll be using some of the best translation tools available, and you know my love of God's Word, so I'm going to be as faithful as I can to the original. And by the way, I don't mean the original King James, I mean the original Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek. I'm just using the King James as a base to begin with. And now, the fourth way that this, the LifeSpring Audio Bible, will be different than the LifeSpring Family Bible is... This is going to be a huge undertaking, much more so even than the LifeSpring Family Bible was, because the translation that's going to be necessary is, well, going to be a tremendous amount of work. Because of that, I'm not going to be able to offer this as a free download. It took me hundreds, possibly thousands of hours to do the LifeSpring Family Bible. Probably not thousands, but I know it took many, many hundreds. This is going to be many, many, many hundreds as well. I'm going to have at least three different options for purchasing the LifeSpring Audio Bible. You'll be able to buy each section separately as they're released, sort of an a la carte type thing. Or you can buy the entire project once it is completed near the end of uh, 2009. I'm shooting for a December 1st completion date. Or you can prepay for the entire LifeSpring Family Bible now and you'll be able to get each section as soon as they're completed. And if you do buy now, if you prepay for the entire thing now, you will get a significant discount. You can go to bible.lifespringmedia.com for details and uh, keep an eye there, and you'll know when the whole project is coming into fruition. My goal is to release the first section by February 16th. That's a Monday. Of course, and this is the fifth way it's different, there will be absolutely no advertisements in this project. As I said, the only content here will be the Word of God. I'll be putting up a free chapter for you to listen to at bible.lifespringmedia.com just as soon as I get that done as well. I hope you'll consider adding this to your library. This will be such a labor of love because I love God's Word and I love reading it out loud. And uh, I think that it's something that you're going to enjoy listening to in your quiet time, on your commute to work, when you're doing chores around the house or running errands. It'll be something you can, can listen to at a lot of different times. As I said, the details will be at bible.lifespringmedia.com. And let me know your thoughts on this, please. Write to me at steve.lifespring at gmail.com or call that toll-free line at 877-433-9091. I really want to hear uh, your input on this and, and what your reaction is and your ideas on this. One more thing, I'll have an affiliate program so that you can put a link on your website or blog to let other people know about the LifeSpring Audio Bible. And when your website visitors make the purchase after clicking your link, you'll receive a referral fee. So how cool is that? So I hope that's crystal clear now. Two Bible projects, one in the form of a free podcast called the LifeSpring Family Bible, which is a Bible in a year, and it begins on January 10th and is advertiser-supported. And then the second project is um, the LifeSpring Audio Bible with plans for the first section to be released on Monday, February 16th, 2009. It's ad-free, paid for by those who choose to purchase. A while ago, I began a little mini-series on the LifeSpring show that got kind of pushed aside during the holidays. It's called 10 Guidelines from God. We started on number 10, and we're counting up to number 1. Today, it's time to do number 8 of 10 Guidelines from God. Number 8. Be patient. God says, 
I managed to fix it so that in just one lifetime, you could have so many diverse experiences. You grow from a child to an adult. You have children. You change jobs many times. You learn many trades, travel to so many places, meet thousands of people, and experience so much. How can you be so impatient when it takes me a little longer than you expect to handle something on my to-do list? Trust in my timing, for my timing is perfect. Just because I created the entire universe in only six days, everyone thinks I should always rush, rush, rush. Be patient. Well, thank you for joining me today. It's been great being a part of your day. Actually, it's, it's an honor, one that I don't take for granted. Hey, if you like the show, please come on by the show notes page at lifespringmedia.com and leave a comment. Or call that toll-free comment line I've been talking about, 877-433-9091. I really do love to hear your voice. Email me at steve.lifespring at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter. My username is Lifespring. Write a review on iTunes. And if you've never contacted me before, why don't you do it today? I want to hear from you, really. If you've never contacted me, use one of those methods to get in touch with me. I want to hear from you. And if you like the show, get someone else to join the Lifespring family, too. Share the show with them you like the show, your friends probably will too. And they'll be forever grateful to you, I'm sure, for telling them about LifeSpring. Well, I better let you get out of here, huh? Thanks to the LifeSpring allies, those fantastic listeners who help to support the show with financial gifts. You can find out more about that at allies.lifespringmedia.com. And thanks to our fantastic advertisers, whom I heartily encourage you to try out. CovenantEyes.com, promo code LifeSpring, and Carbonite at backup.lifespringmedia.com. These companies are the best in their fields. I'm a customer of both of them with no discount, no special consideration, just because they're on the show. I believe in them, and I think you should too. So until next time, let me leave you with this thought. Christianity is not supposed to be the oil in the water of your life. May God bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I'm Steve Webb.